0: Oh, let's try that one again. Good morning. morning. Yeah, that is much better. You know, this is Father's Day, clearly the most important day of the year. Father's Day. It's like Father's Day number one, then Christmas comes somewhere after that, and, you know, Thanksgiving and Easter and things like that. Um, But actually, guys, today enjoy yourself. So like today, you can be selfish and eat lots of food and watch sports and then eat some meat and some chips and dip and get a back rub and things like that. Uh, so actually, uh, it's an important day. It's a great day and we do honor you fathers. My father-in-law, um, Carl, is right over here and uh, a lot of other fathers. And we do want to honor you today by bringing the word of God and, and some instruction from the word and some stories about what God is doing around the world. Um, the first thing I want to do is just introduce my family. Now, this picture is a little outdated, but uh, just like from two years ago, but some of my family are right here and you can see them. So family, can you kind of like maybe turn around? Actually, family, stand up stand up and then kind of you know wave to everybody. So um, actually our oldest daughter, Hannah, the one in the middle, is not here. She, believe it or not, you remember little Hannah? Well now Hannah is a junior at Baylor University this year, which is kind of hard to, to understand how quickly that happened. Uh, she's teaching, she's a counselor at TBRM this summer, so she's not here. But then um, our next daughter, Elizabeth, is here. She's starting at Dallas Baptist University this fall. So already two of our girls are leaving us, which is really um, sad. And then we still have Hunter and Sarah for a few more years. And um, our kids are doing great. And most of it is not because of the father. Most of it is because of the mother. And that was my prayer growing up, Uh, you know, when the kids were growing up. Dear Lord, let them turn out like their mother. Uh, You know, and I know that's the same prayer I have for your kids, you know, and your kids and your kids. (laughs) Oh, dear Lord. Father, sorry, but it's true. Let them turn out like their mother. Um, Yeah, so anyway, uh, the Lord has blessed us. We have been back for less than a month. And we've already driven over 4,000 miles going and visiting people and things like that. And what we wanted to say to you, uh, church, is thank you. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your prayers. You pray for us, and we need your prayers. Thank you for your financial giving. As you give into the offering, a portion of that goes to missions, and a large portion And it goes to supporting us. And some of you even individually support us. And we want to say thank you. We appreciate you. And we love coming back here. It's like there's something special in this fellowship. And the worship is awesome and your friendliness. And we love being here. And we want to say thank you to you. And the reason that we're in Nigeria, the reason that we're here this morning The reason that you do what you do in your support of us and why we're there is because of Jesus. And so we want to focus on him this morning, and we want to talk about uh, living the Acts adventure. I've heard that you're kind of going through the book of Acts. I know the last few weeks you had some guest speakers, but you're going through the book of Acts. That is one of my very favorite books. It is just filled with so much adventure And in our family, we are living the Acts adventure. You know, when you're reading the book of Acts and and the disciples are out and they're doing all these amazing things and the believers are out and they're doing these amazing things, it's a real adventure. And we are living the Acts adventure. And actually, everyone in this room, you can be living the Acts adventure. And that's our desire for each and every one of you. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. So first of all, probably Graham gave you an outline for the book of Acts. You know, I learned something similar to this outline at seminary, and probably you have a, a real similar outline. So first of all, Acts chapter 1, the Lord goes up, right? Maybe, maybe Graham was doing something similar. Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit goes down, and then Acts, going a little too fast, Acts chapter 3 through 28, the disciples go out, okay, so go up, go down, go out. You probably learned something similar, but we're going to do that together just so you remember, so everybody get out your pointers, this is number one we're going to be pointing up, and then number two, we're going to point down, and three through 28. So when you do three and then you do some of this, that means 28, all right? So first of all, say it with me. Acts chapter one, the Lord goes up. Acts chapter two, the Holy Spirit goes down. Acts chapter three through 28, the disciples go out. Try it again. Acts chapter one, the Lord goes up. Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit goes down. Acts chapter 3 through 28, the disciples go out. That's right. That's the outline, or something like that, of the book of Acts. And that's going to play in later to what we're going to talk about. The book of Acts, awesome, and living the Acts adventure. And of course, you learned the theme verse from the book of Acts. This is one of the most famous verses in the Bible. It's an awesome verse from Acts chapter 1, verse 8. So let's read that. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to the book of Acts. Otherwise, you can look right up here on the screen, and many of you probably have this memorized. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And just before we dig in a little bit to some part of Acts, and as we talk about the Acts adventure, let's pray. Lord, we love you, and we thank you that you are here in our midst, and and Lord, we, we do all of this for you. We're here this morning in this uh, awesome church because of you and what you've done in our lives. We're in Nigeria because of you. And Lord, we do. We want to live this adventure. And we want to know how to do it, Lord. Thank you for the book of Acts. Thank you especially for you. And we say we love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Power when you think about power, and in particular, who has power, you probably think of some different people. Now, we're gone and we come home just every couple of years and the news that we get in Nigeria, it's not really uh, very updated. We get a little CNN and, and that's about it and so we don't get a whole lot of news like there's no newspapers, In Nigeria so we get a little bit of news and then we come back to the US and we get newspapers and we read newspapers and like every day we want to look at the news because we want to get caught up from a couple of years of not being around and let me say something it's pretty shocking to us that have not been you know here for a while and then we come in and we start reading the newspaper and we look at what's on the news so there's a lot of bad news and there's a lot of crazy news and as we look at this news, we're saying, who has the power? Let me tell you what it looks like to us that haven't been here for a while. It looks like the politicians have a lot of power. And the politicians seem to be even doing things that they don't even have the power to do, but somehow they're doing those things. And then it seems like the media has a lot of power. And the media is like, telling stories and doing, and they have a lot of power. And it seems like the rich people have a lot of power. Now, I think the rich people always had a lot of power. They got a lot of power. I don't know if you knew this, but remember I told you last time about how I grew up with a lot of money. Some of you maybe were here. One of the guys that lived just a few minutes from us was Donald Trump. I don't know if you heard this. I heard it just recently. You know how much Donald Trump gets paid when he does a speech? You know, we heard about the Clintons, they make some few hundreds of thousands of dollars. First of all, that's mind boggling that somebody would make uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars for a speech. Donald Trump gets $1.5 million every time he does a speech on average, $1.5 million. Okay, the rich have power, and it seems like they still have power, and now celebrities have an awful lot of power, and athletes have a lot of power. And then when we come here and we see what, what they are using their power for, it's like they are preaching a message. And it's kind of unified. They don't know it, but I think they've got some thing going on that is trying to get them to, to, to preach a message and to use their power truthfully to lead people astray. And then if you look at people's lives, people are buying into what these people are telling them, and, and they're, they're not happy with their lives. And so you have a lot of people saying, you know what? If the government would just do more for me, then I'd be happy and satisfied. Or if I just made some more money, then I'd be happy and satisfied. If I just had a different job, I might be happy and satisfied. If I just had a different gender. I mean, honestly, folks, we flew in and didn't hear too much, and it's like Bruce Jenner is Caitlyn, and Bruce is still anatomically himself, but he's dating women, and now he's a lesbian. And I, I, I mean, honestly, it's shocking. And it's funny, but it's really not funny. But, but it's amazing. And so then the media and others says this is good and right. And actually, someone called him Bruce, and they said that was disrespectful because he wants to be called Caitlin. And now somehow this person was promoting hate because they were calling him Bruce. And see, what I'm saying is, is for someone who's been away for a little while, and I flew in, there's some craziness around. But but you know what happens is, because you're hearing it from politicians, and the media, and the rich, and the celebrities, and the athletes, after a while, we begin to wonder, well, is this true? It's not true, and it's not right, and things are going kind of crazy. And so, we wanna ask ourselves, who has the power, but actually, Who has the real power? Who has the real power in the midst of the craziness to make a difference and to speak to people's lives where people have a contentment and where people aren't looking to change their gender or to change their race or to change their spouse or to make all these changes because those things don't satisfy? But there is something that does satisfy. And who has the real power? Well, I'll tell you, we do. We have the real power. But you know what it feels like when the politicians and the media and the rich and the celebrities and the athletes are all saying stuff? We begin to feel like we're outnumbered. Isn't that true? And we begin to feel like, well, can we really win this battle? You know, can we really hang with them? And so maybe rather we'd stay silent. But the truth is that we have the message and I'll tell you this at 17 years old somebody shared the gospel with me and I had a lot of crazy beliefs I believed a lot of stuff that these people are saying and nobody tried to argue with me about those beliefs they told me about Jesus and I got Jesus in my life and you know what in a short amount of time my view changed on all those things you see it's real power and I've seen it recently on the television you know I saw a, a CNN interview and I don't know watching CNN We hate CNN, (laughs) but we're kind of used to it. So just a few weeks ago, I was watching it, and there's this guy named Anderson Cooper, and he's interviewing this guy. Anderson Cooper is not a believer. He's really anti-Christianity. It comes out in some of his work. And he's interviewing an African-American man who had been in prison for 25 years falsely, and recently there was evidence that came out that showed he was innocent. And so he was interviewing this man. And he said, "This is incredible. This must have been so hard. You must you must be so angry and filled with hate and bitterness." And the man said, "No." He said, "I'm happy to be free. And I'm in fellowship, and it's because of Jesus." And Anderson Cooper literally was stunned and his mouth opened a little bit, and he was like, "Really?" And I tell you what, you could argue with Anderson Cooper. You could, for days and weeks, you could argue with him, and you would never change him. And in a moment, this African-American man completely disarmed him, and he was impacted by the witness of this man. Powerful. I've seen it again recently on television in this church massacre from South Carolina. And you've heard about it, and people were killed, and then they interview their relatives. The relatives say, we miss miss the ones that have perished. We miss them. But we forgive the people that did this. And people said, what? You forgive the people that did this? They said, yeah, we forgive the people. Just this morning on the television, the reporter said to the person they're interviewing that that wasn't one of the, the relatives, they said, how do these people have the strength? How do they have the strength to forgive after this happened? You see, we have the real power, the real power to disarm people, the real power to bring a message of hope, of power, of change in people's lives. Let's go back to this verse because it's so key, and as you study the book of Acts together in the coming weeks, I want you to think back to this about power and this theme verse and even this outline that we gave you, how is it, if we have the power, why do we feel like we don't have the power? And how can we tap into this power that we see around us and, and in these amazing testimonies of recent? In Acts chapter 1 verse 80 says, But you will receive power. Jesus is speaking to the disciples right at the beginning of Acts. He says, but you will receive power. Now, when you see a but, you have to realize that there's something from the verse before, right? Well, what is Jesus contrasting this to? And, and the disciples, uh, they met together in verse 6. They asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It's not for you to know the times or the dates. The Father has set this by his own authority. See, they're saying, Lord, we want you to come back and establish your kingdom and take care of this Roman Empire and take care of some of the Jewish leaders because life is tough here and there's a lot going against us. And Lord, we want you to come back and take care of it. And he said, Look, It's not for you guys to know when that's going to happen. In other words, it's not going to happen right now, but you will receive power. I mean, and isn't it true in the midst of the politicians and the media and the rich and all these messages, wouldn't it just be better if Jesus came down and took care of this? Do you think if Jesus was ruling on earth, do you think the politicians could do what they do? Do you think the media could spin all these lies? Do you think the rich could do what they do and how they take advantage of people? Do you think the celebrities and athletes could be doing all these things? Lord, come back. Lord, you take care of it. That's actually how I feel now. I'm just like the disciples. Lord, could you return now? Could you establish the kingdom now? And what he's saying is, is hey, it's not for you, Peter, to know when that's going to happen. There's going to be a little delay, although I think it could be soon. but, You will receive power. That's his promise. You will receive power. This is not just a normal kind of power. This is power from God. This is the Holy Spirit. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And we know that he lives in us. This is the Holy Spirit. This is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Lord, come back. Okay, I'm coming back, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. We know that he lives in us and you will be my witnesses. Now, witnesses is an interesting word. You know, um, we talk about going witnessing as sharing our faith and that's really, really true. But you know, originally here, The disciples were witnesses, and there's more than just the disciples. There's 120 believers right at this point, and they were witnesses. They were witnesses of Jesus' life. In other words, they were there, and they saw it, and they were witnesses of Jesus' death and his burial and his resurrection. In one verse, they're going to be witnesses of his ascension, and they're witnesses. They were there. They saw it. And so we receive power when the Holy Spirit comes into us, and we are also witnesses. We are witnesses of what the Bible says, and we are witnesses about what Jesus has done in our life. Okay? So we receive power as the Holy Spirit is in us to be witnesses of what Jesus has done in our lives, and where, and you all know this, but it starts with, in Jerusalem... And that's in Jacksonville, right? We learned that in Jerusalem right here. This is our Jerusalem, Jacksonville. And then in all Judea and Samaria. Now that's, remember, that's the northern and southern parts of Israel, okay? So they even had a problem between the south and the north. I mean, I'm not kidding. They had a problem between the south and the north in in Israel and a division there. And so he's saying, first in Jerusalem, which is like our, our Jacksonville, and then in the south, like of our country in the north and then around the world okay so this is the key verse we receive power when the holy spirit comes in us to be witnesses to tell people about what jesus has done first of all right here where we're at and then to move on out how do we tap into the power okay so we have this power this is real power to change lives. How do we tap into it? So we're going to go back to our outline, Acts chapter 1, the Lord goes up. Okay, so in the next verse, the Lord is going up. Jesus went up into heaven. Jesus went and is at the right hand of the Father. Jesus made a way for us to go to the Father. Now, this is not something they had in the Old Testament. First of all, they didn't have the Holy Spirit living in them, which now we have, and they could not just go to the Father in prayer, but now we can. But the truth is, even though we can go up, we can, as Jesus went up, we can go up, a lot of times we don't take advantage of that. I mean, this is unbelievable access. We have access to the Father to be able to go right up into heaven and to make requests and spend time with God and and the truth is we don't do it. And this is where it starts. If we want to tap into the power, if we want to have a testimony like that man who was in prison for 25 years, if we want to have a testimony like the people in South Carolina, it starts by spending time with the Lord. By going up. I just heard a statistic uh, from, from camp where my daughter just went. The average teenager spends four and a half hours watching television a day four and a half hours watching television a day and checks Twitter 24 times a day, okay? Now, we're not all that bad, but the truth is we spend a lot of time watching TV, on social media, playing video games, and not all of that is bad. We spend a lot of time doing some good things, but we spend too much time, and instead of the Lord getting our first fruits, he gets our like seventh fruits or twelfth fruits or sometimes our last fruits. And if we wanna tap into the power of, we need to go up. Just as Jesus went up, we have to go up and spend a lot of time with the Lord and build our relationship with him. And then also, Acts chapter 2, remember, the Holy Spirit goes down. So the Holy Spirit has come down and lives in our lives. And if you have Jesus, if you, have, if you know the Lord, you have the Holy Spirit living in you. He doesn't leave. You know, when you sin and things, he doesn't leave. So Acts chapter 1, we go up. Acts chapter 2, we go down. And actually, we go down on our knees, and we begin to confess our sin. Because what has happened is, all those lies that are told by the politicians and the media and the sports people, they've started to influence us, and we don't even realize it. And I'll tell you this. We've been gone for a while, and we come in. It's amazing the temptations that are here. We don't have these same temptations in Africa, to be honest. And what happens is we start to get tainted by the world and influenced and so we have to go up but we have to go down and we have to actually get down on our knees and we need to say Lord I'm sorry I'm sorry for the things that I believed. I'm sorry for the things that I've been involved in because you see what happens is the Holy Spirit lives in us and as a believer he never leaves you and so when you partake of some of those things The Holy Spirit is there and the Bible says he gets grieved. He gets upset. He gets hurt. He weeps. He grieves. And then he can be quenched. You know, when you have a fire like the power and then you pour water on it, it's like quenching it. So the spirit in us is powerful. But when we grieve the spirit and then when we quench the spirit, it quenches this power that we have access to. And so first, We need to go up and we need to spend time with the Lord and build our relationship with the Lord. Secondly, we need to go down and we need to get onto our knees and we need to ask for forgiveness so that we don't grieve and quench the spirit. And you know, the spirit is amazing. We also don't, we don't don't take advantage. The spirit is our helper. Don't we need some help? The spirit is our comforter. I mean, I'd imagine in this room there's people that have lost loved ones and you have have loved ones that are sick and maybe you've lost a job or maybe you're having problems in your marriage. The Spirit is powerful to help you. The Spirit is powerful to comfort you. The Spirit wants to fill you with the fruit of the Holy Spirit so that as you go out, you'll have a powerful witness and people will come to know the Lord. So... First of all, we go up. Because Jesus went up, we can go up and build the relationship with the Lord and spend time with him. Number two, we go down on our knees. We confess. We get right with the Lord. We rekindle this power within us. He helps us. He comforts us. He fills us. He teaches us the scriptures. And now we go out. Number three, we go out by faith. We take steps of faith. We build relationships with people. We slow down a little bit. You know, everything is hustle, bustle, go here, go there, activity, activity. Slow down a little bit and get to know your neighbors. And slow down and talk to the people at the convenience store and people at school or work and those you come in contact with and get to know them. And they'll see your life. And maybe at at the right time, you give them a tract, you give them a book, you invite them to church, invite them here. This is such an amazing fellowship. Invite them here and witness. Even now, you could ask them, You know, did you see that interview with that uh, a man that was in prison for 25 years? And then they found out they had, had proof that he was innocent. Did you see that? No, I didn't see that. It was amazing. It was an interview. And, and then they said, aren't you angry? I'd be angry. And he said, no, I forgive them because of Jesus. Or, or did you see, you know, ask people, did you see this thing in South Carolina? Obviously, everybody has seen that. Did you see these relatives? They're, they're sad, but they're forgiving this guy who did this. How do you think they could do that? That's what the anchor asked this morning. How do these people have the strength to do it? People are talking about this right now. Talk to them about it. Go up, spend time with God. Go down, ask for forgiveness. Rekindle this power then go forth in the power of the Holy Spirit in your walk, and in your talk as you begin to witness for Jesus. In just a moment, I want to tell um, a few stories about Nigeria. I just want to say this, that The axe adventure is available to all of us. It's not just because we're in Nigeria. And I mean, you're gonna hear some stories. I'm gonna tell you just a couple of quick stories. It's amazing what God is doing in Nigeria, but the truth is the axe adventure is available to all of us. As we go up and spend time with the God, as we go down on our knees and we confess and we rekindle this power and then we go out by faith, we see what God does. Let me just tell you a couple of quick things that have just happened to us recently in our family. Okay, I was on an airplane and I was flying somewhere and I was sitting, it was right before the flight, I was sitting next to a woman, I could tell she was separated from her husband. And so I said, would you like to sit next to your husband? I'll take his seat. So I moved over to where the husband was, and then I was sitting next to this African-American man, and I started to speak to him, and, and all of a sudden, I found out he was from Nigeria originally, he'd been living in the U.S. for over 25 years, and we got along great, I was like, a Nigerian, and we were talking about the ministry, And then at the end of our conversation, I found out that he's in the oil business and he actually goes back to Nigeria every single month. And he said, Peter, I want your number. And then he he called me and he said, Peter, um, I want to send a gift to the ministry. I love your ministry. And he said, I want to support your ministry big time on a a long-term basis. Um, I'm here in Nigeria. I want to send some Naira. Give me the the bank account, the Naira bank account. That's what they use over there, uh, uh, Naira. And he said, I want to do like a test to see if it works. And later, I want to send dollars. And I said, oh, great. You know, and I thought maybe he's going to just send a small amount. And then I get an alert from our accountant. And he sent several thousand dollars. It's actually the largest gift we've ever received from an individual in Nigeria. You see, living the X adventure, putting yourself out there and talking to people And then the next thing you know, uh, uh, this happens just last weekend, Nathaniel did this discipleship weekend for the youth and they loved it. And they were driving somewhere with some of the leaders, I don't know the exact details, and they had taken a wrong turn and they were going a really long way and they were thinking to themselves, why did we make this wrong turn and we're going a long way and it's bad weather? And all of a sudden in front of them, there's a car accident. And so they stop the car and they go out and, and this car's like flipped and there's a woman inside with her children and, and a grandmother, and there's two babies in car seats. And so the youth go down in and they, and they grab the babies out of the car seats and they're comforting them while the responders are on their way, just being used by the Lord as a witness. And just this last week also, we were at a hotel and we were there for some days, and I decided I'm just going to be friendly to some of the workers in this hotel. And so I got to know Latoya and her children. And then I got to know Greg, who worked there. And I got to know Curtis. And I just was friendly to them. And I was kind to them. And I took a little time to hear about their lives. And then I was able to witness to them and to, to give them a track. And, and, and they, were, they were happy by this and this witness and even just this last week my my daughter sarah she was supposed to go to camp with her little friend and her friend couldn't go and she was wondering should she go to camp by herself and she said you know i'm just going to take a step of faith and i'm going to go even though i don't know anyone and sarah went and she had a great time and the lord used her to impact other little girls and one girl in particular that needed sarah you see, it's just a part of a lifestyle. Whether you're in Nigeria or you're in America, as you go up and spend time with God, go down, confess, and then go out by faith, the Lord uses you in people's lives because we have real power and we have an incredible message for them. Let me just tell you some things that are going on in Nigeria. First of all, we are still uh, ministering with needy children. We have over 300 needy children in the ministry. I've told you this before, but imagine, sometimes we get these kids off the streets or other places when they're five years old, six years old, if you can imagine this. Um, We have a 100 Nigerian staff that work with us, and really they're the main ones doing the work, and they do just an incredible job over there. We have a lot of girls now. If you remember in the early days, we had only boys. Now we have about 100 girls in the ministry before they hit the streets, before they go into prostitution and things like that. And we also have a ministry now to our older girls. As they get older, they transition. So we have a new center for them. And the girls are just doing an amazing job. We also have an outreach to needy women and to widows where they learn a trade and um, where they're able to make money so they can provide for themselves and their children. We have three centers like that. There's also um, leprosy still in Nigeria. I have some really, really um, gross pictures of oozing wounds. I don't want to show that to you, uh, but our staff uh, touch the lepers and clean the wounds of the lepers as a witness. And of course, many of them come to faith. And then we also minister to the disabled. We give away over a 100 of these wheelchairs every year. And here's what's really amazing. We've been in Nigeria over 16 years. Some of you try and imagine that. You've been with us the whole way. It's over 16 years since we've been there. And here's what's incredible. When we went to Nigeria 16 and a half years ago, there was enough money for one extra month, just one extra month of needs to be able to care for the needy ones and pay salaries. Now, 16 and a half years later, there's enough for one month extra in the salary. I cannot explain it. I'm talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars a year to care for thousands upon thousands of people. How is it possible that all these things have been paid for? The children in the ministry, there's over 300 of them. Uh, None of them have ever been kicked out of school for not paying their school fees. In Nigeria, you have to pay to go to school. Almost every Nigerian child gets kicked out of school for not paying school fees. None of our children have ever gotten kicked out of school for not paying their school fees. They've always had meals. The staff have always been paid on time. How is that possible? Well, I can tell you what, it's real power from the Lord because there is no way to explain. Let me tell you two quick stories. The first one comes out of Islam. Um, A reminder, the Muslims are not the enemy. I've told you that before. It's easy when you watch television and you see the the terrible things that terrorists and others do it's easy to think that they are the enemy they are not the enemy there is a real enemy and he's blinded their eyes but it's not the Muslims but we continue to have challenges because of the Muslims Um, some of the the the, the people that we've been able to share Jesus with and have come out of Islam have been killed for their new faith they will all suffer in one way or another and um, We've had uh, car bombs in our city, unfortunately, and we continue to have attacks from the radicals. Uh, I want to tell you a story. I started to tell you the story some years ago, four years ago, uh, but more has happened, and and probably some of you weren't here. I want to tell you about Pastor Isma. So Pastor Isma is an EMS missionary. EMS is the largest indigenous mission in the world, and uh, they're the ones that we mostly work with. So I work with the leaders of EMS. When we go out and do our film ministries, we're helping the EMS missionaries, church plant. We're supporting and working with EMS. The EMS leadership asked us to train all of the EMS missionaries, actually close to 2,000 EMS missionaries. They asked us to train them, and we also trained Pastor Isma for one week in evangelism, discipleship, and church planting. Four years ago, He was traveling to his church plant this is the part that you may remember and on the way there they were in a a taxi there was about 10 or 12 people in the taxi and they were stopped outside of a mosque and there was the leader of the mosque came out and he had his uh, henchmen with weapons and they said are there any pagans here and everyone was silent in the vehicle and then pastor Isma said I'm not a pagan, but I am a follower of Jesus. He knew what they meant. They were asking, are there any Christians here? And so they took Pastor Isma out of the vehicle, and they said, deny Jesus, or we will kill you. And he said, I will never deny Jesus. And so they actually took him into the mosque, and they said, deny Jesus, or we will take out your eyes. And he said, I will never deny Jesus. And they took out his eyes. And then they brought him outside to a tree. And they said, deny Jesus or we will burn you alive. And he said, I will never deny Jesus. You need Jesus. And then they lit him on fire and they stabbed him. Later on, we heard the news, and of course, we were um, very, very impacted. The word came to his relatives, and they came, and they found his body, and of course, there's no justice over there, so the people got away with it, but this, this story impacted me personally very, very much that Pastor Isma would stand up for the Lord like this, and actually, I rededicated my life to missions through that, and there were actually hundreds of people They were so impacted that they dedicated their lives to missions. And just before we came, just one month ago, one of the leaders of EMS came to my house and he said, Peter, have you heard about the latest with Pastor Isma? And I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, let me tell you something amazing. He said that one of those guys who stabbed him to death was having visions of Jesus, and Jesus was appearing to him and saying, what you did was wrong, but I love you and I forgive you. And so he came to Christ, and now he is in discipleship with us. And he said, Peter, you know what's really amazing? He said, we just found out that the imam, the mosque leader the one who was holding the coats, the one who made the vehicle stop and ordered this, when he would close his eyes, he would see the face of Pastor Isma. And he couldn't stop seeing the face of Pastor Isma. And so he went and he found a Christian and he told them what had happened and how he kept seeing the face of Pastor Isma. And then they led him to Jesus. And he's also in discipleship with EMS. So one of the guys who killed him And this imam are both now in discipleship in EMS. This is real power. Pastor Isma didn't fight them. He said, yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus. And you need Jesus. Listen to what happened. Just before this imam was taken to discipleship, he started talking about Jesus to the Muslims. And so the Muslims came and they grabbed him And they said, deny Jesus, or we will kill you. He said, I will never deny Jesus, and you need Jesus. And they were stunned. Eventually, they let him go. And these guys are in discipleship. Pray for them. And who knows what the Lord will do in and through them? Let me tell you one other story. Uh, This is a picture of their family. After uh, the funeral of Pastor Isma, we were able to minister to his widow and his children and we've been ministering to them on and off. And as I mentioned, um, so many people impacted by his testimony. Pray for these two men who knows what the Lord is gonna do in and through them. You know that we have these terrorists in Nigeria, uh, Boko Haram, and they cause a lot of problems, Uh, but the Lord is the Lord and he does amazing things. Uh, We do several hundred evangelistic film outreaches in Nigeria including sports outreach and film and medical. And we have to be careful of the Northeast because that's where the terrorists are. But we've still been going to the Northeast by faith in places where uh, the military and others tell us it's safe. And we've been getting to know the military very closely and been working with them. And um, they told us, they told our outreach guys, hey, there's this group of people that have been held hostage by Boko Haram We just went in and we captured some of the Boko Haram and we freed them and we're moving them to this place. It's still in the Northeast, but not as far up. He said, would you come and minister to them? This is the military of Nigeria asking us to come and to minister to them. And so our outreach guys went to this place and they started ministering to them. and, And at that time there were 72 hostages that had been freed and our outreach guys were working with them. And all of a sudden they started hearing a story from these hostages that had been freed. And the hostages were telling a story and they said that we're so grateful to be alive and the reason that we're alive is because of the Christian soldiers in white. And so our outreach guys were saying Christian soldiers in white, you know, what does that mean? And they said, yeah, uh, we were sure that they were going to kill us, the, the terrorists, but then the Christian soldiers in white would show up with white garments, and then the terrorists were afraid, and we really feel like that's why we weren't killed, and we thought Christian soldiers, the white, the outreach guy, so, so they went to the leader of these 72. He was a, a Muslim leader, like an imam type, that had also been taken hostage, because these terrorists are Muslims, but they'll capture Muslims, they'll capture Christians, they'll capture anybody, and all of these that were being held were Muslims. And so they went to the leader of these 72, and they said, hey, we're hearing these stories about these Christian soldiers in white. And the leader said, it's true. It's all true. The Christian soldiers in white will appear. They've been appearing lately. And so we feel like that's why we were not harmed. He said, well, why do you call them the Christian soldiers in white? He said, because We had some Christians, and whenever the terrorists would hurt a Christian, they would show up and they would kill several of the terrorists. They thought, "What? This is this is amazing." So, actually, they had an opportunity to go in and to minister to some of the terrorists in prison that had been captured. And as they were talking to them, they said, "Have you heard this story about the Christian soldiers in white?" And the terrorists said, "Yes." Lately. The Christian soldiers in white show up. If ever we touch a Christian, they will show up and kill us, so much so that we have decided to completely leave the Christians alone and just to take the Muslims. And so our outreach guys saw this amazing opportunity, were able to lead some of those Boko Haram terrorists to Christ in prison. They went back to the 72, and they said, we know the God of the Christian soldiers in white is powerful enough to send angels to defend you. And there's someone called Jesus, and we need you to know him. And all 72 put their trust in Jesus. And then they were moved to a larger group of 400. And now, of all Muslims, and now all 400 have put their trust in Christ. And I tell you, it's a privilege to live the Acts adventure in Nigeria. It's a privilege that you have sent us and that you pray for us. And the reason, sometimes it's hard to be there, but the reason that we stay is things like this. This is amazing. It's powerful. And the same power that brought the Christian soldiers in wide, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the power that is in us, each and every one of us that knows the Lord. So do you want to live the Acts adventure? Do you want to tap into this power? First, go up. Spend more time with the Lord. I know you're busy. Get rid of some of the things you're doing. Go up and spend time with him. Go down on your knees and say sorry for the things that you've been involved in, for grieving the Spirit, for quenching the Spirit. Rekindle that fire and power within you. Let Him help you. Let Him comfort you. Let Him fill you. Let Him teach you the Scriptures and let Him lead you forward as you go out. Little steps of faith. Slowing down. Getting to know people. Caring about them. Asking how you could pray for them. Inviting them to church. Little steps true power to live the axe adventure that's what I want in my life how about you let's pray